It's like this is a done deal already. And of course, by the end of the game, which I get a comment back, we just got stung. And I said, yep, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> you count your chickens before they hatch. That's right. But uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun to, to mess with you. You mess with me all the time, and I enjoy it when I get an opportunity, which is few and far between. So what a blessing that is. Uh, God throws me a bone every now and then, you know. And uh, <laughs> Today, I want to talk to you about Christianity being living the upside-down life. Uh, I want to give you a trivia question as I start today with today's message. We're in a series on we're too blessed to be stressed, right? Uh, the the uh, trivia question I have for you is this. What is a restless, evil, and full of deadly poison? Now, you think about that because you're going to have the answer in just a moment. I read a story this week of about a, a young lady that was 10 years of age, and she got bit by a scorpion. And uh, she, of course, when she was bit, she screamed bloody murder, and her mom jumped up, and the whole family was awakened at night, and, uh, and her mom knew exactly what was happening because she has been bit before in working in a missionary in Arizona uh, where scorpions are... are enormous I understand or have a lot of and um, anyway so they go in there and she notices that she's been bit and and she had learned through this time of uh, missionary work they had put together a high voltage battery with low current and they would take the electrodes and they would take and attach it to the to the place where it was bitten and for whatever reason it would subside the pain and the destruction of that poison. And it would just be very, just a little sore on the spot where it was bitten, but uh, never had a problem uh, with that bite after that. Uh, doctors still to this day don't know uh, why that works, but for whatever reason, it works. And uh, it was the, the venom that they attacked, and it attacked it with the electrodes. Today, as I think of the message today, because... Uh, living the upside-down life, and what I want to talk about is this, is that there is something more potent than a scorpion's bite, and here it is on the screen here for you. In James chapter 3, it says this, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly, deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of speaking a blessing over your enemies. You see, I believe as life comes to us, have you ever had somebody come to you and insult you or hurt you in some way? What is the natural reaction for us when we are reviled in some way? Our natural response is what? Attack back. 
Matter of fact, I remember this so vividly. Uh, as the director of the Augusta Rescue Mission, I would have all kinds of opportunities to uh, learn Christianity and grow in my Christianity. And, and inevitably, I, 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 at one time in, in period in time of my life, this particular guy, we had to um, let him go and he had to get out because he was breaking all the rules and everything. And, and he just, you know, decided that he wanted to let me have a few cents of his mind. And he just went on and and he was getting louder and louder and louder. And the louder he got, the more offensive I got. And my natural response was the what? I bowed up. And I said, let's see who can loud, uh, yell the loudest here. And by the time I got through, I was the biggest fool in the whole thing. And I went back in. I said, Lord, what have I just done? And I remember calling the whole staff in and sharing with them how I had messed this up totally, and this was not the way you handle a situation when you're faced with a situation like this. And I just really got a lot of humble pie, and God began to show me some things from that day in my life. I can assure you today, the message today is going to show you how mature you really are in your relationship with God. You see, oftentimes we think that we're really growing, and we are growing, but we're really mature. But I can assure you, this is going to be an acid test for all of us. Uh, I've been preparing this message for months now, and so today you, you get this. I'm convinced that the antidote, that the poison that comes our way, is a declared, spoken blessing over that person's life. It is the electric charge to neutralize the pain and destruction that comes our way. You see, hurt for hurt or insult for insult only doubles the poison and destruction continues. Now, I don't know whether you realize this or not, but I hope you get this today. The Christian life, listen to me, the Christian life is to be lived by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit of God in you, empowering you to answer life's venom with words of blessings. You see, the Christian life is so different because why? You have to depend on somebody other than yourself to live this life. You can't live this life in your own natural abilities, in your own natural flesh. Because if you do, you will sin against God and you will hurt others in the process. The Bible tells us this is the antidote for us when things come our way that are insulting, that are reviling to us, that ridicule us. He tells us to bless them. Now, how many of us have done that? Boy, I knew that was going to be quiet. Now, think about it. You may think, now, Pastor, you really, you really are being ridiculous here today. If you really think when somebody come insults me that I'm going to bless them, you've really lost your mind. Well, I understand because I, I want to tell you this. I'm not telling you this as some uh, guru that says out there in our, in our world that says, hey, here's a way to positively deal with things. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is what's found in the Word of God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 14, it says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
listen to, to the word, you say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. Well, great. I'm going to give you the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ, written in red. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. This is what he says. Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. Now, how many of us have heard that? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Right? Right? Come on now, tell the truth. We all know that, right? This is what Jesus says. We've heard that. That's how the world does. Love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. Now watch this. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans do the same? Publicans are those tax gatherers that are Gentiles, that are unbelievers. And he's saying that, hey, you're no better if you don't bless those who persecute you and pray for those who despitefully use you, then you're no better than an unbeliever. That's what an unbeliever, that's what the world does. We as God's people are to live a higher standard. Can I get an amen to that? But you see, you can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit of God in you, controlling you, enabling you to do that. That's why I say this is an upside-down life. This is not natural. You're not going to say, hey, you just blessed my life. You just cursed me out, so I'm going to bless you. That ain't happening. I hope you fall in a ditch and you can never get out. That's how we think, right? Hear me this morning. God will bless us and will also take full responsibility for whatever punishment needs to happen in the lives of our offenders. Now, I know you're like me. God's dealing with people is too slow. But think about that statement. <laughs> because it, you know, he, said, he just, he needs to do something faster than that. Now, imagine if he did that with you every time you blew it. See, God is very patient with all of us. Amen. Praise God. But he tells us to, that he will bless us and he'll take responsibility. Look at this in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. He says, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God tells us as God's people, bless our enemies. Don't curse our enemies. Now hear me, I want you to get this today. Remember this, your enemies are your mission field. Uh-oh, it got real quiet then. They are your mission field. They're the people that, God, listen, you were just like them. Amen? We were all foolish at some time in our life. Can I get an amen to that? We've all been there. And so, therefore, God helps us to see, look 
at the people in your life that are offending you. Listen, you were just like them. You don't want to believe that. Not me. I, you don't understand. But, 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 but. Ain't no but here. Curse. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that somebody's put a curse on you, okay? The curse here means insults, reproaches, verbal offenses. One of the terms in Scripture is called a reviler. And a reviler is one who speaks abusive words. It comes, where, where does abusive words come from? It comes from the heart. And from our heart of scorn, our heart of contempt, of spewing out anger and hatred. You see, what the real issue is, when things like this happen to us, God is really putting a mirror to us and revealing to us what's in our heart. And what's in our heart comes out of our what? Mouth. And so God is wanting to grow us up. He wants to mature us in our life. You see, the purpose of reviling is to vilify, to bring shame, to discredit, to attribute evil or rail on a person. Uh, another word for curse could be ridicule. It's the idea that you're going to laugh at somebody's ideas, sneer at them or scoff at them and belittle that person or have disdain for that person. Or better yet, watch this, we put labels on people. We label something evil. We label something unpopular. We, we label something ridiculous. Let me say, reviling is a serious sin in God's eyes. You see, as a believer in Jesus Christ, listen, your pastor, you don't believe this, but I've been called every name in the book. And the worst name I could be called was Satan. I've been called Satan. I've been called everything just to be, to be called. I have been called. But I have understood because of, of the redemption that's come to my life, I try not to think my old way. I think according to Scripture, according to my new life in Jesus Christ. Because I know that, listen, if Jesus already told us in his word, if they hate you, listen, I've already been hated. And listen, if you're going to join up with me, I can just go ahead and tell you, you're going to be hated just like they hated me. Now, I know we don't like that because we want everything to be peaches and cream. We want everything on this side to be wonderful and comfortable and nobody ever getting mad at us, upset at us, or anything like that. That's not this life. That's not this life. This life is we're called in the power of the Holy Spirit to live above what the world throws at us. And you can do that because of the Holy Spirit in you. But the question for all of us is this. Who's controlling your life? What fills you controls you. And if the Holy Spirit is filling you, he is controlling you. And what comes out of a fruit of being controlled and possessed by the Holy Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, patience, 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 patience. I'm, I'm stuck there. The, the, gentleness and kindness and, and, and faithfulness and self-control. Isn't it amazing? 
And we have that in us, the ability to do that. But let me just say, reviling is a serious sin in God's eyes. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetousness or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. He goes on in verse Corinthians 6, verse 10, he says, Know this, that nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So, a reviler is one who's listed among all those other things that you and I say, yeah, they deserve that. But these are those people who are unrepentant. But Paul says, such were some of you. But you've been redeemed. You've been bought by the blood of Christ. You are a new person now. You're to live a new life now because new life is in you. You have a new relationship with me, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, bought by the blood of Christ. And now you have the living word of God so that you fill your mind with the word of God so that when life comes to you, when the offenses of life happen to you, when the insults come, when the hurts come, you respond with blessing, not cursing. I know it's quiet in here. But can I tell you, the Lord Jesus himself understands what it feels like to be reviled. Here Jesus is hanging on the cross. Imagine this. He's hanging on the cross between these two thieves. And just the common folks, it says, in, in, in Matthew 27, it says the common folks were coming by ridiculing him, mocking him, sneering him. Hey, you say you're the son of God? Show yourself now. Oh, yeah, you all that. Yeah, sure you are. Then the chief priests and the elders, they come by, and they start mocking him, insulting him, and saying all manner of evil about him, laughing at him and pointing at him. Look at you. Look where you are. And even the two thieves hanging on the cross themselves had the audacity. Watch this. It says this. The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. So Jesus understands what it means to be reviled. He understands what it means to be cursed. He understands what it means. Listen, Jesus himself was called Satan. He understands. So, well, how did Jesus respond? He blessed them. Look at this in Luke chapter 23. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is the common response I get from Christians about that verse. You can't tell me that this person didn't know what they were doing. They're blind. They can't see. They're just emotionally stirred and not spiritually controlled. And this is what you get. Don't ever think that you can't be a heathen in a moment because you can. And you can act in ways that are just like an unbeliever in a moment. Can I get an amen to that? We've all been there. 
And yet Peter describes Jesus' handling of this reviling. This is what he says in 1 Peter. Peter says in verse 23 of chapter 2, he says, And while being reviled, this is Jesus, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But what did he do? Kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. You know, it's interesting, the previous verse, in verse 21, he speaks to all of us. And this is what Peter says. For you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Peter goes on in chapter 3, verse 9. Look at this verse. He says this, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but what? But giving a blessing instead. For you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Wow. Jesus blessed. Peter tells us in his word, he commands us, we're to bless Paul, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 12, when we're reviled, what do we do? Curse them. No, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. Wow. You know what I found? When I practice this principle, the immediate rewards of blessing a reviler is freedom from an emotional reaction. And second, genuine love for the one doing it. Now, this is where we miss it, church. We, when we think about loving somebody, we think it's this warm and fuzzy feeling. I just want to ask you. God says in his word, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Let me ask you. Do you think Jesus was having these warm and fuzzy feelings when he was on the cross? Mm -mm. See, love is an act of the will. It's not an emotion. It's an act of the will. The emotions will come along, but you think, you understand genuine love is an act of the will. See, I don't always feel like loving my wife. But she tells me the way I can show her that I love her is doing an act of service for her. Now, when I do that, guess what? It makes her feel wonderful. I'm not really that, have those warm and fuzzy feelings all the time. But I know this. That's a way I can show her I love her. Amen? How did God do it for us? You know, he, he got on that cross. And he says, I love them this much that my son is going to die for them. And forever their sins will be atoned for and forgiven. And they will stand in a righteous place with me forever and ever. There's a story in the Bible that Jesus shares, a parable. I don't have it on the screen, but it's in Matthew 18. And, and the story goes of, uh, of, the, <clears throat> of a man, the king comes back, and he wants to settle accounts with his, uh, his slaves. 
And uh, when he began to sell the accounts, and he come to this particular one, and this one owed him 10,000 talents. Let's just say he owed him uh, $2 trillion. And, of course, the, the slave says, you know, uh, the, the king says, hey, throw, throw, throw him away. Take his, everything he's got, his wife, his kids, put them on the slave market. Let's sell them. I'll get everything I can out of them and uh, put, him, uh, put him away. And the guy, you remember what he does? He falls down and pleads with him, have patience with me. I, I will repay. No, you, you can't pay. You can't repay $2 trillion. Man, come on, get a grip. But he does that. And what happens? The king has compassion on him and says, hey, I forgive you. All your debt is taken care of. It's done. You're free. You can go. Wow. He's excited. He gets out there and he finds, hey, Oh, Brother Willie over there. Brother Willie owes him $100. He comes to Brother Willie and starts choking him. Man, give me my $100. You owe me this $100. And you remember what happens. The man says the same exact words. Should have got some conviction out of you, thought. Have patience with me, man. I'll get it back to you. No, he wouldn't have it. He had him thrown in jail where he was tormented. And he gets in jail, and of course, the, the other slaves find out about it and tell the king. And the king is not upset, not, not happy at all. He's very upset. And he tells the guy, he comes back, he says, how could you do this? You owed such a great debt that you could never pay, and I forgave you. And this guy, who owed you just a little bit, and, and you put him in jail. How could you do that? And, of course, he, you know what he does. He throws him back in jail and says, you're going to repay everything you've got. And Jesus says, ends up with a parable this way. He says, he says my heavenly Father will also do, to the same, do, do the same to you if each one does not forgive his brother from your heart. Now, watch this. This is what I believe happens to a lot of us as believers. We've been insulted, we've been hurt, we've been reviled, we've been ridiculed, whatever, whatever it is. We don't realize what we're living. We've been forgiven with this great debt. God's forgiven us and we're eternally secure in him. And yet we are still wanting to get an ounce of hide out of somebody's behind. And you know what's happening to us? This is what's happening to the Christian community is that you are being tormented with resentment and bitterness and depression. And the reason for that is because you have been offended and you're not blessing that person instead so that they will quit living rent-free in your mind and set you free so that God can bless your life. God, listen, God's ways are upside down. And he says, when you begin to pray blessings over that person who has hurt you, I'm going to tell you what will happen is you will get free, number one. Number two, then you allow God to do supernatural things through your life and start working in other people's lives as well. This is the truth that I have found over the years now, walking with God for 30 years now, is that God wants to turn our pain into a tenderness and sensitivity toward others. You go to the book of Job and you find this. 
he had some dear friends. Wasn't so dear. I mean, they kept coming at him with one thing after another. And you know at the end what happened? God ended up using him to bless his friends. If he doesn't bless and pray for his friends, his friends were going to be no more. How'd you like that responsibility? And yet in spite of all that happened to Job, his wife, his family, his business, he lost it all. What did Job say? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me tell you what, what happened to Job. It's through the misunderstanding of all what was going on. He didn't understand everything. And you don't understand what's going on in your life. All the things that happened to come your way, you don't understand. But I can tell you this for a fact. Hurt people hurt people. And you've got to look beyond the words and see an individual that is in desperate need of freedom themselves. And if you'll start realizing that and seeing with eyes of faith instead of seeing with the natural eyes, you'll begin to bless them and say, oh God, they need to be free. They need to, to experience your love. They need to experience your forgiveness. They need to be delivered from the guilt and the shame of their past. Carrying around because somebody hurt them. Whether it was a mother, whether it was a father, whether it was a husband or child, or it was an employer or whoever. In some people's eyes, even God. But I want you to know that God has called us to live the upside down life by which when it doesn't seem naturally, it isn't naturally right to do. But he commands us in his word to bless those who curse you, who persecute you, who ridicule you, who revile you, who speak all manner of evil against you. Remember Joseph? He had his brothers. Remember his dear brothers? Oh, they loved Joseph. He saw Joseph coming out with his very colored coat and said, oh, there's that little baby. Let's grab him and do away with him. And you remember they sold him off. Well, God been working in Joseph's life. And God is working in Joseph's life through many trials, many difficulties. And it's an amazing thing. His brothers had to come to where Joseph was to find food to eat. And Joseph recognizes them. And you know, you're a brother. There's those scoundrels. Here's my time. They just think they're going to get some food. I tell you what they're going to get, Brother Willie. They're going to get the wrath of Joseph. And rightly, hey, don't they deserve it? Don't they deserve it? Don't be so spiritually minded here, okay? Don't they deserve it? Yes. But what God had been working in Joseph was the longing and the sensitivity that the pain that he experienced through those trials of his life brought him to, oh, I just can't wait to see my dad. I can't wait to see my brothers. And he reunites them. And his father, now he gets to see his father. His father gets to see a son who he thought was dead. 
And his father gets to see Joseph, and he blesses him and blesses his children. And it's an amazing thing. And now his father's dead. Sure enough, the brothers are fearful. Uh Uh-oh. I know why nothing's happened. Because dad was alive. And brother Joseph wouldn't do that since dad's alive. But oh my, dad's dead. We're dead. And so they come in fear and trembling. And Joseph looks at him and says, Why are you afraid? Do not be afraid. He says, As for you, you meant evil against me. But God, but God, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Church, can I tell you, God will will never waste our pain as we daily place our trust in him. He will shape us to look more and more and more like Jesus. I have watched this practice. I had a letter sent to me of this particular person, and she's writing. She says, I hated my husband. I hated him with everything I could think of. He says, you know, God really convicted me that all this energy and emotion that I've been just stewing around in my mind, God spoke to me and says, won't you start blessing the qualities that you want to see in your husband and praying that God would bless him with these qualities? And she said she spent the next month doing that. And at the end of that month, all of a sudden, he began to change. He had no idea what was going on. But the power of her blessing him and God praying through her to bless him with the qualities that she wanted in her husband. And God honored that and all of a sudden changed their relationship. And all of a sudden, they become one as never before. Wow. The power of blessing. I want to challenge all you teachers in here. You got students in your class. They are show enough, show enough. Bad folk. They don't act right. They're saying every kind of thing you never think possible a student could ever say to a teacher. And you have looked at them, and they have become your enemies. And your whole mindset is focused on how you can get rid of these students. Watch this. God has strategically placed them there for you. That you would be the light and love of God. And I'm going to tell you how you can do it. You can start, watch this, asking God to bless them and bless their home and bless everything that you want to see in their life. God bless them with wisdom. God bless them with a, a willing spirit. Bless them with a submissive will for you. God calls them to know.
you, cause them to love you. You see, this is where we need to put our energy, church, because when we start doing this, we start acting like Christians. And when we start living out Christianity, it will be an upside-down life, and the world will take note, and people will start coming to him, and that's what it's all about. Because deliverance is in the Lord. I am convinced your tongue can direct others into the way of life and can cause them to in the trials of life. What? You mean to tell me that you can delight in the trials of life? That's what Paul said. He's in jail. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. James says this, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing it's a testing of your faith that produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. I close with this. I got a text not long ago from Brother Robbie Seal, and he told me it was, I could share this, so I'm going to share it. This was the text. So Nick and I had a conversation I wanted to share. He said he wanted to make up for the time he was a pain and be a blessing to us. I told him that the pain was a blessing because it set in motion the miracle of bringing MP, that's Mary Pat, and I to him. Like God used a murderer to free his people, he used a knucklehead to free our family. Sorry, Nick. I am thankful for the pain. I am thankful for you and your ministry. I am thankful for what God has done in our family. Church, I just want to encourage you. Take note of what's in your heart. Because it's in our heart is our biggest issue. It's in our hearts. And God is... He uses trials in our lives to show us what's in our heart. And all of us have room to grow. Your pastor, number one. But know when these things happen to you, God's allowed them so he can grow you up in your faith. Your faith is more important to God than anything you have. And God is wanting to grow us up. And so I want to ask you today, where's your heart? Is your heart really totally all in for God? For him to do whatever he wants to do with your life, in your life, and through your life? That's the number one question we've got to deal with. Because if that is not dealt with, all these symptoms, you can change them all. But watch this. It'll never work in the long term. Second, who's the enemy that God wants you to bless? You know who they are. I want to encourage you today. God loves us, and he knows we all fall short. 
But the good news is when he strategically points out something in our hearts, in our minds, and he pricks us, it's not a time for us to say, oh, that's a nice thought. No. Thoughts always need to, to hit where it comes to repentance, which means that I'm going to do something different than I have been doing. If you're still stewing over something that happened to you in the past, still controlling you, you need to bless that person. You need to bless them. Like I told you last week, the blessing of Thanksgiving. This week is the blessing of our enemies. Isn't that wonderful? You just love this series, don't you? It started out wonderful, didn't it? It's gone to this. But listen, God's wanting to mature us so that the world in which you are living in every day, they will say, how can that person do that? It's amazing to me. I thought it was very insulting what this guy Hamilton did in this play that our president, uh, our vice president-elect, Mike Pence, goes to just to him and his family get away, and he is ridiculed. But watch this. I love this man. And I don't even know this man. But I know this much. He is a, a sold-out believer in Jesus Christ. And, and he responded with Christ's likeness. And everybody's saying, why did he say something like that? How, how can he be so kind? How can he be so loving? Man, he should have shot back at them and give them a piece of their mind. But no, he lived the upside-down life. He was controlled not by his emotions. He was controlled by the Spirit of God. That's what's got to control us, church, the Spirit of God. Is he controlling you today? Maybe it's that, that divorce that you went through. Maybe it's that, that, that father, that mother. Maybe it's something that's happened in your life. What is it that is controlling you? What is depressing you? What, what is causing this bitterness in you? What is that resentment in you? Listen, you, you, you're only, listen, you're only killing yourself, and God is trying to set you free. So listen, start today. I'm going to start blessing. I'm going to start praying a blessing over every enemy of my life. That's what I want to do. Start today. Start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start today. God knows where you are. God knows your heart. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, in Jesus' name, we turn to you now and recognize and know that this invitation, Lord, it's an invitation for us to just examine our hearts first and foremost. And second of all, Lord, to become blessers. Blessers of those people in our lives. That, Lord, that you've allowed us to have contact with, that they're in desperate need of you. Oh, Holy Spirit, set us free. That, Lord, that we can really worship, because we really can't worship. If we own one part of us with our mouth, we're worshiping and blessing you. He says, yes, oh, how I love Jesus. And then when I leave this place, I start cursing the person in my life. God, it can't be that way. Oh, Father, take our tongue and bring it under the control of the Holy Spirit of God so that, Lord, that we could be men and women 
that you look down and say, that's my child. He's acting just like me. She's acting just like me. That's the work I want in their life. God set us free. There's one here today that does not know thee. Lord, let this be the day of their salvation. Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. Jesus rose again for them. Jesus ascended to them, and he desires for them to have a relationship with him. God, let this be the day. Have your way, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open here. The altar is open right where you are.